And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC, and I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about our amazing episode sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Fullscale.io. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. They do a great job. I have heard from countless clients who have availed themselves of full-scale services and ended up with a beautiful tech product without all of the stress. So highly recommend that you check them out. Uh, Today we have with us, I'm very excited about this next guest because I have been watching her career for for years now. Um, She participated in a pitch competition a while back and she did such an incredible job. And I loved what her product and what her company represented so much that I've always kind of I've always kind of kept my eye out for her. So we have with us today Dr. Brandy Archie. And Dr. Archie is the the founder, founding director of Accessible Living. Dr. Archie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Uh, well, I I am as I said, I'm so excited. So let's go ahead and, and get cracking right off the bat. I'm going to ask you the the kick us off question, and I'm just going to say, you know, tell us about your journey. Yeah, so I am an occupational therapist by trade, and that means that it's our job to help make sure people can be safe and independent, taking care of themselves. And uh, I like to say that we learn how to be advocates from school because uh, nobody knows what OT is, and it looks different in every setting. And so for kids, that looks like helping them with handwriting so they can be independent in classrooms. And for um, older adults, it's helping them be independent with everyday tasks, like getting to the bathroom. And so um, I love that. It's different for whoever you're working with. And I've been doing it for about 14 years now. And over the course of that time, I've just always had my hands on gadgets and other things to kind of help people be more independent because sometimes, unfortunately, we're not able to help fix people's bodies. Um, And so then you got to find a way to deal with what's going on. And so um, the best way to do that, I think, is to add equipment or make changes to your environment. So I've always kind of stayed up to date on those kinds of things. And that really turned into accessible living. Um, because the healthcare system doesn't really um, make sure that you have what you need at home in order to be independent. And so that's what we do at Accessible Living. So I started that a few years ago, and here I am today. That is so cool. And and I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I have a memory of Accessible Living, that pitch competition that I watched. Um, you, you had some slides. And I'm assuming it was your pitch deck. And I distinctly remember you were talking about a patient that you had um, that she she was having difficulty getting in and out of her recliner 
right? And so her family, I think, had decided, oh, well, she needs to go into a home. But this this client of yours, she didn't want to, you know, and, and very few people do. Like if you can maintain some semblance of independence, you want to keep that in individuals' lives for as long as possible. It's my understanding that once you start removing those those small bits of independence, you start to see declines in health and you see you start to see mental health issues and in elderly populations, vulnerable populations. And so I, you told a story about this client and I'm wondering if you can share it with us here. Cause I just, I loved hearing the story, like how you were so, so effectively able to help her. Yeah, I definitely would tell that story. I'm going to call her Mrs. Smith. That's not her real name, but I'm going to call her Mrs. Smith. So um, yeah, the the main thing that we do is to try to help people be independent and stay wherever they want to live at. She wanted to stay living by herself in the house that she had been in for over 30 years. However, it had stairs to get in the house, stairs to get to her bedroom. Her ability had declined significantly and people were concerned about her and she was missing doctor's appointments because she couldn't get out of the house. And that was piling on, like you were saying, it causes health mental health, but it also causes physical health issues. So we had to start where, um, we had to start exactly where it's uh, the most important. We're trying always to get to the root cause of the issue. She had really swollen legs and she was sleeping, sitting up in a walker, a walker with a seat. Um, so we needed to find a way for her to be able to get up and down. And so we were able to help her um, put a uh, a custom box underneath the chair she already had, which is a lot more cost effective than trying to get a recliner and a lot quicker. And that extra height allowed her to get out of that chair. So now she could get up more often, which means that she can try to get herself to the toilet on her own um, and not be incontinent and um, also have use less energy to get up so that she can um, be able to do the things she needs to do every day. So even though that sounds like just a simple thing, it had a rippling effect in her life. And so we did other things too, including getting her a bedside commode so that she could go to the toilet right near where she was at since her walking wasn't very good and connecting her with some transportation options so that she could get to her doctor's appointments Uh, and then making some more long-term plans. How are we going to get you a ramp so that you can get out of the house more easily and consistently. And so while what we do might seem like small peas, it actually ends up having a huge impact on people's lives and affects a bigger problem, which is um, affordability in housing, because not everybody can afford to spend $6,000 and go to assisted living facilities. Right. And not everybody has family to go move in with. And sometimes you just want to stay where you're at. And so we really believe that there's usually an option um, or multiple ways to keep yourself at home. So we try to, so to sum that all up in a nice little package, we um, use our OT brains to figure out what is needed in the home in order to keep you living there as independently as possible. So we, and then we bring that equipment and make that happen. Yeah. Well, I, I just think that that is, that is so incredible and it, it really speaks to your storytelling ability and in the, in the assistance that you provide, like that solution stuck with me. I mean, that 
that pitch competition was at least three years ago. It was pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I remember you telling that story and thinking to myself, how creative, because so many people would automatically, well, I mean, the, the family kind of all, from what I remember, the family had already kind of gone to the, well, there's nothing to do here. She's going to have to go into a home. And, and then like so many people would have been like, well, if that's not going to work, we're going to need to get this super fancy tricked out recliner that, you know, goes up and down electrically. And, you know, and that's, that's financially out of reach, particularly for, for elderly populations. And so the fact that you were able, and I remember this slide, like so vividly, the fact that you were able able to create such a cost-effective, easy solution and, and, and create such lasting change in that client's life and Mrs. Smith's life. Like that was just really powerful to me. And I mean, I, you know, not all of us, we're not, we're not all 80 years old, but everybody listening here has at some point, you know, probably had a grandparent or a parent who had issues, you know, someone that they love, someone that they trusted who experienced issues like this. And I just, I invite our listeners at home to really think about that. Think about the people that you love in your life who may be confronted with with some mobility issues and how somebody like Dr. Archie and Accessible Living, how they might be able to help and what that could mean in their lives. Um, you know, you didn't just impact Mrs. Smith, although I'm sure you did profoundly, but you also impacted everyone around her, the people that love her and care about her. And so I just want to, I, I want to start you know, we're, we're kind of at the beginning of this little recording. I, I want to start by just commending you for the work that you do, like finding those creative workarounds, finding solutions that work for the people that you serve um, on an individual, individualized basis. Um, just super impressive. I, I love it. <laughs> I appreciate that. I think that um, our motto is we're creating accessibility everywhere. And I don't think that accessibility is a privilege. I think that it's a right and so while if you have more dollars, you have more soldiers in order to make your home accessible or move to a place that is. Um, but I don't think that if you don't have those dollars, you should be subject to sleeping in a rollator. Um, and so there's always more one more than one way to get things done. And we're just trying to make that literally accessible to everybody. Yeah, you're well named for sure. And I, I do want to point out just for folks who might be listening and they're not looking at the episode title, accessible is A-C-C-E-S-S capital A-B-L-E. So a little bit different from, from how we normally spell accessible, but accessible, which I loved that too. I remember thinking that that was such a uh, such a perfect name. Like it speaks to what you do. Uh, and, and I just thought that that was so fun. Um, well, so tell us, Tell us about starting the company. What did, what did that look like? What did that feel like for you? Um, it was very gradual, I would say. Um, I started the company in December of 2016. And of all of 2017, we served eight clients. Now, part of that is because I didn't know how to start a business. And I also was working a full-time job as an occupational therapist in home health. Uh, and it was it's always been a gradual process of less working for others and more working for myself. And I think I think many business owners do it that way. I don't think a lot of people actually talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I felt badly, I guess, to some degree, like a I don't know, a little imposter syndrome, like a sham. So if I'm out presenting accessible living um, that I also have another job that's actually paying for my bills. 
But that was important for me to do it that way for my own sense of security and because I have a family and my money matters to what happens in our household. And I also think it was really good for um, building out the way we do things. Um, It really comes from my experiences working in home health and acute care and all the different settings that I've worked in. So had I not done that, I don't know that we would have come up with as many creative solutions as we have. Um, so we started that way and we started real slow and um, just grew as our networking grew and our reach grew in the city. And um, so now I'm definitely a full-time business owner and this is the way we go. And we've got a team of people, another um, couple of occupational therapists that come out to people's homes and a partnership where we help people make sure it actually gets installed um, because that's half the battle too. Because what if you know what you need and you order it from somewhere and then what, you know? So right. we're trying to make an end-to-end solution happen um, so that uh, things that are ideas become reality. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I, and I have to ask, you know, we talk about, and I think that I, I do not think that this is an issue that affects uh, only female founders, but I do think that it's an issue that more like affects female founders more frequently. But I, I have to ask, you're over that imposter syndrome now, right? Um, I think yes. Um, in certain areas, I think uh, certainly accessible living is a growing entity, and I'm confident in what I'm doing there, and I know that this is exactly where we should be. But every time we do something new, I, that means I haven't done it before, and right. I got to demonstrate uh, a level of professionalism and confidence in what's going on, even though I might not be that confident about it. So uh, I'm not going to say it went way all the way, but I definitely know how to work around it. Well, that's good. And and I mean, honestly, like, I think a little bit of self-doubt is sometimes, sometimes it's okay, you know, because, because when you, that self-doubt, like, sometimes it propels you to deeper greatness, you know, mm-hmm. if you are constant, like if you think everything's perfect, you're not, you're not growing, you're not learning, you're not reiterating, which is kind of the entrepreneurial process. Like I think everybody listening today, like you, me, you know, all of the the hosts of Startup Hustle, we're, we're all entrepreneurial. And, and so we are constantly thinking through how can we make it better? How can we, how can we learn more, grow more? How can we evolve? Um, so I don't necessarily think that too much is a, is a bad thing. And I definitely, I love the fact that you acknowledge that it's still there, but you found some workarounds. Now I'm curious, do you have any specific workarounds that you would like to share with us? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I know that people might feel some kind of way about this statement, but I always think of fake it till you make it. Yeah. And so while I am maybe not 100% sure what the solution is going to be, I'm, I am 100% sure that I will find a solution. So if you ask me a question and I say, I'm going to get back to you on that, I am going to get back to you mm-hmm. and I'm going to have a solution, even though in the moment I don't. And so um, because I know that we're, I'm going to try to solve the problem because that's what we're here yeah. to do. And there always is a way to solve the problem. We might not like it all the time, sure. but there's always a way to, to solve the problem. So I, I, that's my main workaround is just to ask for um, a little bit of grace. Give me a little bit of time and we'll come up yeah. with it together. Well, and that takes, that's really interesting. Like the process that you just shared, because what that takes is vulnerability. Like there's a lot of power in saying, I don't know. And I think that often in entrepreneurial circles, there's this 
conception out there that you have to be unassailable, that you have to be perfect. You're always hustling. Everything's going great. You've got all the funding you need. And so the, the fact that you're able to be, to be vulnerable and say, I don't know, but then empowered and confident enough to say, but I'll figure it out. Um, that is truly such an entrepreneurial mind way to be, you know, we, we talk about like the, the entrepreneurial mindset a lot around startup hustle. And it's like entrepreneurs are people who look at challenges and they see something to overcome rather than something to block or stop you. Um, and, and clearly you're not doing that. So I, I will say one of the things that I find, you know, interesting about what you're doing, and I want to, I want to delve a little bit deeply into this, you know, before we started recording, uh, you mentioned you know, what you're doing currently. It's not necessarily like a super high tech field. Like some mm-hmm. of the workarounds that you're, you're, you're really dealing with human beings, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some of the solutions that you come up with, like they're not super high tech. I mean, you fixed Mrs. Smith's situation with a box, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, it, it was custom and it was built for the situation. But uh, that being said, it was it was a box. <laughs> um, and that's not, you know, that's not like a really technical, high growth, sexy, fancy topic. Like it's just not. And, but, but it did the job. Now, what, before we hit record, you mentioned something, something that you're building. And I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a good description. What we do is really awesome for, the, uh, for our area where we serve and we're in the Kansas City area. Um, and, but it's also very labor intensive. We send an occupational therapist out um, to the client's home to take a look at their setup, understand what their needs are, and then we come up with a list of prioritized solutions, and then we help them get that in place, and we actually get those pieces of equipment to their house, and they get them installed, and so that works really well for all the places that we can drive to, but it does not work the greatest um, to reach people who live in rural areas or anybody who lives outside of our driving radius, and Again, our goal is accessibility everywhere, and I know this to be a problem everywhere because I've worked in uh, multiple states and multiple cities. Um, the healthcare system is set up to deal with things that have to do with your body, and your health insurance pays for that. Um, so if you lose a limb, they'll pay for a prosthetic um, or a wheelchair so you can get around. But what it won't do is pay for a ramp to help you get in your house. Um, or a chair in your shower so that you can sit and take a shower since you are missing a leg. And so since we don't have a system for that, um, you're kind of at your own mercy and you got to find your own resources. And I don't think that's right. So that's why we created Accessible Living because it's really hard to put all those pieces together, especially because most people are only dealing with this for the first time. right? Right. And so we have experience in doing it. And so let us help shortcut it for you. So while it's needed here in our physical location, it's also needed everywhere. And so what we're doing now is um, enhancing our services by building an app. And it's called Ask Sammy. That's spelled S-A-M-I-E. And what our, I, what our main um, superpower is, I think, at Accessible Living is using our OT brains to figure out, uh, to match you with the right products and equipment for your needs. And while we really value being in that space, we also are just really good at asking the right questions in order to get to the best solution. And so we're putting that in our app. 
And so um, soon people will be able to go there uh, to our website or download the app and answer a few questions, which could be about yourself or about your loved one or somebody that you're working with, and then be routed to um, the right set of equipment for your needs. And also be given um, additional suggestions about if you need this, most of our clients also need this. And so that's um, going to be building in um, the artificial intelligence too to that so that we can try to um, solve more problems in a shorter amount of time and decrease people's stress level. Because this is what I always say is if anybody is seeing me, it's not their best day, right? Like I'm coming to try to help make things easier. And so if we can take this one piece off of somebody's plate, whether that's uh, the individual themselves who needs help or uh, somebody who's helping a loved one or um, another professional who's really trying to make um, connections for their clients because they see their need, we we know that this is all outside of everybody's everyday stuff. And we want to make that as easy as, and as quick as possible. Yeah. So then once you get your list of things, then um, you can click and order from us and um, get it delivered to you so that we can serve people everywhere. That That is absolutely con- incredible. And congratulations on not just conceiving of this, this very big thing. It feels very big, you know, this, this app that you're building, mm-hmm. but not only thinking of it, but, you know, finding the tools and the resources to make it happen. I imagine that has probably not been easy. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, how can you take things off of your clients' plates? And I do really quickly just want to remind everyone listening that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. But what it really comes down to with Fullscale is they take things off your plate. They make your job as an entrepreneur easier. They help you build tech products and they do it in a way that is supportive and that it, it can just remove so much of the headache. I mean, I got to ask you, you know, Brandy, has it been hard building a tech product? Particularly as a non-technical person, I'm, I'm interested yes. in your insight. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say is, yes, I've built a service business and it's great, And but OT is a service and I've been doing that for a long time. So now this is a, diff, a whole different kind of business in a way, even though it's our same mission, it's a different, it's a tech business. It's not yeah. a service-based business. And so I've had to learn new vocabulary. I've had to meet new people. I've had to... Um, think about how our workflow is in a different way. So that is challenging, but I like it because I'm always trying to learn new things. And also because the ultimate goal is to make sure that people have access to these resources. I, I appreciate that when we get done working with people, they often say, you cannot believe how much easier you made that for us. And I'm so glad we found you and worked with you. And while I like that, I don't think that it, they should have to find an individual or a business to do that. Because what about all the people in all the other places that we don't physically touch, right? They need to have these solutions as well. So um, it is a big project, a huge project, um, and it's needed everywhere. Um, And so that part is a little bit scary. I think that's where the imposter syndrome wants to come back in at. Oh, no. No, it's so huge. Knock it it's out, girl. Knock thing. it out. <laughs> I know. I'm going to find, I don't have an answer all the time, but I'm going to find the solution. 
Yeah. And I really do think this will be a good solution that um, will help a lot of people in a lot of places. One good example I have of that is I had somebody who's actually a friend um, who was uh, who has family that lives in a different country and um, they were going to go visit and she was having trouble walking and they were like, man, it would really be great if we had a wheelchair, but we have no way to access that in her country. And so can I get one from you and we'll take it over there? So we figured out what we needed to all remotely, didn't actually meet um, the mother uh, who was the person who was in need, but was able to get them the right equipment. They flew with it over there and used it for their trip and the things that they were doing and came back and said, that was such a game changer for us to have that. There was literally nowhere to access that kind of tool or piece of equipment in the place that she lived. And so being able to bring that there was life-changing. And that put a lot of perspective to me on how big of a thing this is um, and how much we need to do in order to uh, bring accessibility, not just to America, but to the world. Oh my gosh. I, I love that as a vision. I love how big you're thinking. Cause I, cause I do remember um, you, I think you even said in that, that long ago pitch competition, I think you had even made mention of the fact that like you hadn't been operating very long as an entrepreneur. And I think I remember feeling like, oh man, like this, what she just has so much potential, but she's just getting started. And to, so to see the evolution of your personal growth as a founder and your organizational growth, like through accessible living, like it is so cool to talk to you now because I just, I, I can, I can even see how far you've come. And so I just, you know, please don't take this the wrong way, but I'm super proud of you and the growth, like the fact that you're thinking globally and not just locally is that's incredible. That's huge. Um, you know, I really hope that you kick that imposter syndrome in the ass, but it sounds like you're doing that. So, uh, congratulations. Um, so, so speaking of, you know, uh, Dr. Archie's growth, accessible living's growth, you know, the growth that you've seen, you have over the course of your career, and I can think of a couple different examples, but I'm sure there are more, you've, you've, you've gotten some recognition for the work that you've been doing. Um, I th I'm pretty sure you placed at that pitch competition. I, forgive me, I don't remember where you placed. Um, I do remember, like, you were just named uh, a small business superstar, uh, through the Kansas City Chamber of Commerce. You know, talk to us a little bit about that, what it's been like to, you've worked so hard. What is it like to receive recognition for your efforts? You know, it's it's really gratifying to be able to see, especially um, other people, you know, nominate us for things and to know that we're making an impact in our community because that's really what my goal is. Um, and so, I'm glad to see that actually happening in life. And I think that it's also really hard to start a business and to make it be impactful. And so while it might take longer than you anticipate, uh, it's great to have some level of, you know, retribution for that. And just to know that it matters what you're doing. I think that's the most important thing is that it matters what you're doing. We get that on a regular basis from the people we help every day. So that is cool. Um, but also yeah. on a bigger scale, it's important too. And then the other literally functional thing about that is that's been our main way of raising funds. And so um, this company has been bootstrapped. And like I said, I started and had a full-time job as I was trying to build this. 
And so in that pitch competition that you mentioned, I won the first prize, which was $10,000. And that was the first uh, grant that we ever won. Uh, And that took us a long way as far as being able to build the tools that we needed in-house in order to pull all of the things together that we needed in order to create the solution that we wanted to have. So we also have an app that is just for our with our in-house use, just for all of the staff that works together. And that yeah. helps us communicate better and be able to show people equipment on the spot uh, and put out um, like our quote sheet and our prioritized solutions right away, because really time is of the essence because most of the people that we work with are coming out of the hospital or rehab and they have about two or three days before they end up at home. So um, building that app was uh, really key and cost money. And so um, being able to have some funds and fundraise through grants and pitch competitions has been really important. Um, so I've won a couple of more since then um, that were outside of the Kansas City area. So that's really cool to see that other people um, who actually aren't here in our area seeing us work still see that this is an important thing that needs to be funded. For sure. How do you like look back on where you started? Like, do you think you could imagine where you're at right now when you started on this journey? Or were you imagining bigger? You know, I think it's twofold. I think originally it's imagining just being able to serve more people than I'm serving as an individual OT in my career, knowing that starting a business, I'd be able to impact more people. Um, But then as you start doing that, just by ones and twos turning into tens and twenties and then hundreds of people, um, then you're like, okay, this is actually something that needs to be solved on a bigger, larger scale, and we can do that. And so I think the vision turned to be bigger and and literally why our statement is accessibility everywhere. It's not accessibility Kansas City. It's not accessibility for 60-year-olds. It's literally everywhere because everybody deserves to have it. And so um, once you have a little bit of success and you see that how important it is, I think your vision has to grow. Oh, man, I I love that. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. Like, I think at the beginning of the journey, there are so many entrepreneurs, like you're, you're almost like tunnel vision focused because mm-hmm. you see the problem so clearly and then you see the solution so clearly. Like if you didn't, you wouldn't try be trying to start your own thing. You know, by starting your own thing, you're basically declaring to the world, like, I know how to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I feel like when you first start, there's like, you're just so focused. But then as you get better at what you do and you grow in scope and you figure out, you know, the accounting pieces and like all of those things that like founders have to do that we're not necessarily comfortable with. Like most of us are comfortable and like in our lane, like these are the things that I'm good at. But as a startup founder, particularly when you're a solopreneur and you're just starting out and there are maybe only like one or two people on what you're doing, you know, you have to do everything. Mm-hmm. Right. You, there is nobody else to to do the marketing and the sales and the accounting and the back office bullshit that, you know, gets my that we get mired in. And so uh, I, I love that statement. Like as you grow as an entrepreneur, like your vision has to get bigger. It only makes sense that as you put experts into roles and you figure out how to activate people around what you're doing, that you have the grace and space in your head to, to think bigger and do bigger. And so it's just been, it's been really uh, lovely 
to hear that progression in you for sure. Uh, speaking of that progression, talk to us a little bit about the future of accessibility. And, and, and I'm interested in the future of accessible living as a company, but I'm also interested in, in the landscape. Like, what do you see coming down the pipeline for the kind of folks that you help that, that need your assistance? I think that the world is starting to understand, or I should say, um, the United States is starting to understand that these things that we put in place for maybe better productivity um, and make our lives easier, just as individuals who might be 30 and busy and have kids and doesn't have time for grocery shopping, so you use Instacart. Like I think that people are starting to see that while they might be developing it for that person, um, it actually has a lot of benefits for people who have disabilities. And uh, you know, and I use Instacart because one, I use it, but also because uh, a lot of my clients use it because they can't drive or they don't drive anymore, and they can't get out, or maybe they can't bring those groceries into the house. Um, from their car. And so being able to order them makes it so much easier. And so I, I think that we're opening up our eyes a little bit more to um, a more to understand a more diverse atmosphere exists in the world. And that there's a lot of use cases for the technology that we are developing. And um, so part of what we're trying to do in accessible living is to try to match that with people's needs um, and be up to date on what are the new tools that are out and what are the new things that are being developed. I mean, so many people use an Alexa, which is not necessarily a disability tool, yeah. but certainly does a ton for the elderly population who don't just jump on a computer and Google things, but can ask Alexa what's the weather going to be today? Or give me the phone number to a plumber, you know, where I right. might just pull up my phone. And so I think that the landscape of accessibility or the goal of having accessibility everywhere is actually achievable because of all the things that we're doing in technology for everyone, because it, yeah. it evens the playing field a lot more. That That is so, like, that's so good to hear. Um, a little bummed that it's taken as long as it has, but like, I, I even point to like remote work, you know, uh, so many companies are shifting over to remote work as, as a result of this global pandemic that we're experiencing. But I talked to a startup founder recently and she, she's doing some work in this space and it, it's just so cool to me because, you know, now that companies have kind of changed, like they've had to pivot, they've had to change how they conduct business and remote work has become more and more accessible, accessible, acceptable, and even encouraged. Mm-hmm. So think about the populations who maybe they can't get around so easily. They haven't been able to find fulfilling work, you know, in their, in their areas of expertise because it was too hard to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so, so we're opening up like all of these different avenues of opportunity and, and, and it starts with you, you know, Brandy, it starts with you, you know, how do we get these people mobile, active, activated, and fulfilled. And, and, and then, you know, the next piece is how do we, I don't know, help them get jobs? How do we make sure that we can connect them to other resources that can make their lives better? And so I, I almost feel like you're kind of the first part of the funnel on, on this journey that so many, so many are able to take, um, which is super cool. Super cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm applauding you right now, like clapping right next to my microphone. I'm taking a little bow. I, <laughs> I love that. She, re- she really did folks. I just watched her take a little bow. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I'm, I'm curious, 
what is the future for for Dr. Archie? Oh, so I think that the future for Dr. Archie is that Ask Sammy is a global phenomenon. And that is like the primary way that people go, the first thing that people go to when they want information uh, about adaptive equipment or ways to care for a loved one or a client. Um, And so I want that to be um, the place where you get information, you understand what these things can do for you or your loved one, um, and understand why we've chosen to put that in our catalog of things, and then also have easy access to get to it. And so I, I want to be running that company and continuing to add more resources um, to it so that it continues to grow as our landscape changes and as we serve more people. So um, that's the ultimate goal, I think, so that we can um, provide solutions for people everywhere. Yeah. Well, well, that is that sounds like a super cool vision. You're such a visionary. Um what is your advice to tech startups out there that might be interested in getting into the accessibility tech space? Oh, so uh, my advice is to start now. Okay. Um, because we probably, whatever you are seeing as a problem, we probably had that problem for a long time. And well, and we're, we have like the boomer generation getting to the point where like they're going to, I mean, that is a large generation here in the U.S. And they're they're all starting to have mobility issues and accessibility issues. Uh, so, so I would say that the market's pretty ripe. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would also define it in two different ways, too. So like there's accessibility with technology and then there's also using technology as an accessible tool. And I'm going to tell you why they're two different things. Okay. We talked about Alexa. That's a accessible using it as an accessibility tool. I'm gonna make my life easier by buying this tool. Um, but also, when we're actually accessing tech, that should be accessible too. Sure. So, if you're creating a PowerPoint presentation or building a website for your business, use the alternative text so that if somebody is blind and using a screen reader, the screen reader will pick up that text that's behind or embedded in that image and then they'll know what's on that image even though they can't see it and so those are actually two different lanes and both need lots of work and lots of ideas and hands in it and from a diverse group of people um, so that more people have access to more things like it doesn't bother my experience of your presentation at all or website if you have alternative text included in behind embedded in your pictures, but it certainly makes a big difference for somebody who has low vision or is blind. So, um, so accessibility in tech and using tech as an accessible tool. um, The world is ripe for improving both of those uh, areas and people having more knowledge about it in general. Yeah. So, so start now is your advice to, to, entrepreneurs who are interested in this this rapidly growing rapidly more accepted uh space like i i love that do you have any of any other thoughts that you want to share with our listeners um no start now and you can do it and even if you don't feel like you know all the answers you'll figure them out so let's go that's right you got to take a page from dr archie like you might not know but you can figure it out you got this we believe in you um I have my I have my human question, <laughs> and I've been thinking about this for for a hot minute. I'm just very curious. Like I like I like you, Dr. Archie. Like I've known you for a while, and like I said, I've kind of watched your career with interest. So, so I want I've been waiting to ask you this human question. 
Uh, but what is, no, I'm going to ask it a different way. Uh, if you could take anyone right now on a, on a trip, all expenses paid, luxurious trip, who would you take with you? Oh my gosh. See, what you don't know about me is that it's really hard for me to pick favorites or one of anything. Right so now. This- so, so here's the deal. All right. I'm going to make this a little bit easier, like a little less pressured. This is who, this is who Dr. Archie would pick right now. That's not to say that that answer might not change, you know, according to her mood and whim later on. So, so if you are a loved one of Brandy, please do not feel slighted. This is just Don't what she's feel feeling slighted. in the moment. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so here's how I answer this question. Yes, no family or friends should feel slighted because I can, in actuality, we can plan a trip and go somewhere. But I'm going to use my free wish here to pick somebody that I might not actually be able to access and would like to. How about that? She's playing the game. She's playing the system, y'all. It's that visionary piece. (laughs) I'm always trying to, you know, find a way to shortcut the system. So love it. um, I think that I... And this is just literally right now. I I think that I would want to take Nicole Hannah-Jones on a trip, all expenses paid, and pick her brain. And I'm going to tell you why. So this is the journalist who wrote uh, the 1619 Project. And uh, I was, I'm reading the book that the new book that came out. And I just think that she's gone through a ton of uh, a ton of life experiences in professional life and then also challenges with the passion she has in her work. And I'd really like to know how she um, deals with all of that, you know? Yeah. And um, I also just really like journalism and their investigative minds and willingness or desire to get to the bottom of everything. So sure. um, I, I would just love to glean from that knowledge and experience. because I think that's problem solving at its best. So, so I could use some of those skills too. I love that answer. So that is such a great answer. And I love how diplomatic you were. You were like, well, I'm just going to do the dream because I can. And also because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Like you're so diplomatic. Uh, I do. I, I do have to tell you that I actually, I just recently bought the 1619 project. I have not cracked into it just yet. It looks like a super dense read. And I'm like, I need to be in like the right headspace to, to start this, but highly recommend anybody uh, who is interested in history and race and culture in, uh, you know, our country, definitely give it a read. I've heard so many good things about it. Like I have so many people who have come to me and say, Lauren, you have to read this book. And I'm like, all right, all right, I will. I promise. Um, But no, that is an excellent, excellent choice. Uh, I got to tell you, Dr. Archie, I am so very grateful for you, uh, for taking the time to come and chat with me and, and be on the show. Uh, this has been fun. And I just want to say a huge thank you. You're awesome. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. I really had a good time and a great conversation. So thanks. Awesome. Well, and, and I, I do have to thank our episode sponsor. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Full Scale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. We love Full Scale so much, all the hugs and good vibes in the world for them, uh, you know, because they, they sponsor a lot of our episodes and they are the organization that makes this possible. And they make entrepreneurs' lives better by taking things off their plate and helping founders build really, truly awesome tech products. Uh, so, so huge fans of full scale, also huge fans of social media. I invite all of our listeners 
at home to to check us out. We've got we are high Startup Hustle is highly accessible, friends. It really is. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Startup Hustle chat. I invite you to join that if you want to continue the conversation, ask questions, talk to the hosts like myself, Matt DeCourcy, Matt Watson. We're all members and we all uh, we all contribute to the chat. We're on Instagram, we're on LinkedIn, uh, we're on Twitter come and find us. We want to continue these conversations with you. And friends, I I would be very, very remiss if I did not also thank you, our listeners, for taking the time to listen to us week after week. We are super grateful to you and for you. And we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.